Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ with you. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Certainly, uh, uh, at least in my world, I was able to feast on Thanksgiving Day, and that was a good thing, KJ. Uh, I know you did the same. Unfortunately, we weren't able to feast on football, at least FSU football, on a Saturday for the second straight day. So you and I were texting each other. Normally, we do this first look show, and it wraps up whatever we saw on the gridiron. Haven't seen anything on the gridiron for a while, but it just felt like we should do something uh, in light of the unique circumstances of the last two weeks and 2020 in general. And so here we sit. Florida State, the first um, host, if you will, uh, to have a game canceled game day, i.e. last week, and now consecutive weeks they've had that done, uh, depending on what report that you read, and there were there are some out, and I'm sure there'll be more, uh, FSU only had 44 scholarship players available. That's the result of having one or more kids test positive, and therefore you do the contract tracing and that eliminates or disqualifies or whatever the proper word is, uh, anyone who falls into that level. Uh, and so with just 44 kids available, uh, the SEC, I think, uses 53. I don't know if the ACC, Tommy, has a minimum on scholarship players. I do know that there's a minimum of seven offensive linemen that have to be available uh, in order to hold a contest. I'm just not sure about the total scholarship players. Uh, but you start working the numbers, and uh, though it looked promising at the beginning of the morning, uh, it obviously did not end well, and the game postponed. For a second straight week. Now, different circumstances. Uh, hopefully, this won't turn into Dabo Gate version two with Bronco Mendenhall, and I don't think it will. But just to be clear, I mean, we don't have to relive the Clemson situation but the circumstances were different in that a Clemson player tested positive upon arrival, and that's where the disagreement began upon what was safe and what wasn't. Uh, in this case, Virginia delayed its flight to Tallahassee on Friday night because they were waiting for their results to come in uh, because, candidly, they have some COVID issues too. Now, not enough, uh, as it turned out, that would have caused the game not to be played, but they had their own issues. And they were aware, as far as I understand, not that Florida State had a player who had – Uh, received a positive test, but that FSU's roster is very thin and that when the FSU tests come back, it might get a little dicey. So this was not a complete shock in terms of them arriving in town and then finding that out. That said, what it appears happened is that uh, Florida State had one player test positive in one position group and because of the content, and they knew that Friday night, but they didn't get through the contact tracing until Saturday. And I don't know enough about how that's done and who's involved or how it works to know when they started I just know that ultimately what it appears happened is that everybody, literally everybody that plays that same segment, i.e. is it the running backs, the receivers, the secondary, wherever it is, they're all out for quarantine purposes. So FSU literally had nothing but walk-ons or maybe scout players that wouldn't have been in the meetings with whatever segment that was. And so, you know, you're below the overall roster requirement, which I think is 53 in the ACC as well. And then at one position or maybe two, you just don't have players. And remember, too, that Florida State was shorthanded because, uh, you know, Wilson opted out, Terry opted out. You know, you've had some other kids opt out. We haven't heard confirmations, but there's stories on the street that one or more other 
players may have opted out this week or left the team for whatever reason. Uh, so instead of having 85 to start with, Florida State was something below 85 uh, just to, to begin the process. And again, if you, if you know, whatever segment group it is, you know, if you have to contact trace that entire segment, then, you know, you're really, really going to be shorthanded uh, appropriately. Uh, and we understand. And of course, that begs the other issue that we'll get more details on as we uh, go forward. But, you know, what does that mean for, you know, next week's game? Because my understanding is you correct me if my information is correct, but the quarantine's 14 days. Uh, there may be a carve out for three negative tests. I'm just not sure, but at a minimum, it's supposedly 14 days. How does that come into play or how does that play out rather as you go forward? Well, it is 14 days right now. And so you can make the assumption uh, and these are assumptions that if everybody's quarantine started on Friday night, well, they're not available for the Duke game and Florida state's going to have the same problem. Now I say that in terms of maybe some guys were already unavailable for injuries or other reasons, hadn't been around that segment and in so doing technically aren't in quarantine and would be available this week. I don't know that yet. Or maybe somebody else had COVID or was already quarantining and their quarantine would be up sooner. Don't know, but you can speculate certainly that they're not going to have enough bodies for Duke and we'll know soon. Keith and I, in full disclosure, are recording this Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening now, 5 p.m. So any news that comes out subsequent to that is new news to us. I do think it, a couple points here, Keith. This The ACC, and we had a, an in-depth conversation with Andrea Adelson from ESPN this week. And if you didn't hear it, folks, go back and listen to our Wednesday show. It relates specifically to what happened with the Clemson game, and she's a great reporter and did a really good job to explain it. But the ACC has known all year long that they would be cutting it close to the wire because of the way they set up their testing protocol, which unlike other leagues, the ACC wanted to have the testing be conducted as close to game kickoff as possible. What does that mean? That means the ACC is testing on Fridays. Other leagues are testing on Thursday so that they have their results, generally speaking, before the team travels on Friday. The ACC went the other way. And so even though we played deep into November without it being a game day issue, it's now come up two weeks in a row where a Friday test has led to the subsequent postponement of a game. So I would suggest even with three weeks left, the ACC – COVID medical advisory group may want to look at that and, and say, and maybe the answer is no, we, we think the science is where it is and we should still test on Friday. Or maybe they would consider tweaking that because now you're running out of weekends to make up games. That's well, you, you, you have no weekends. Uh, I mean, I guess in theory, you can go to the 19th for everybody, but what Clemson and, and presumably Clemson and Notre Dame who we play in the championship game. But even then, you know, the question becomes, <coughs> pardon me, uh, how do you how do you work it? What's it worth? Uh, if you've got some senior players that aren't, you know, seeing a lot of time and have other prospects, you know, do they opt out late? Uh, as is rumored that, that you know is happening around the country, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it 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 certainly is an issue. And then the the other part, and we'll talk more about this in the second segment. But you know, the the financial hit. Uh, now, granted, on a budget of 140 or 150 million dollars to start, remind you to start, you're looking at a $2 million, $2.5 million hit for the Clemson game and another $2 million plus or minus for Virginia. That's now significant dollars relative to the reduced budget. Uh, and obviously you've got Clemson complaining about the money they spent. I don't think Mendenhall, as you pointed out appropriately, you know, will be whining the same way Dabo has. But, you know, those 
those become considerations and issues relative to putting this together. Let's let's dive into the finances and the potential rescheduling a little bit in our next segment. I do think, and, and I know people are all over the map, as we've seen with the state of our country in 2020, on not just uh, politics, but on COVID and all that. But it, it would appear, based on reports, and the Wall Street Journal had it first last week, that the CDC is going to announce new quarantine guidelines maybe as soon as Monday or early this week. And so currently, if you've been exposed, you quarantine for 14 days. What's been reported is that they're going to reduce that to seven to 10 days, and then your quarantine can end if you have a negative test. And the reason they're, they're doing this is twofold. One is I think the science is showing that the spread of COVID is much more, much greater. The risk is much greater that you'll spread it, you know, prior to day eight or so and a lot less likely in the second week, if you will. But more than that, they're trying to get compliance because some, you know, not everybody has enough sick time. People are going to work. People aren't observing the 14-day quarantine anyway. And so maybe if they reduce it, it'll get better. So we don't have to go deeper than that, except to say, Keith, if somehow the CDC does reduce it to seven days and Florida State has a bunch of guys that now all of a sudden their seventh day would be the Friday before the Duke game, technically, now that the ACC would have to change its protocols, but if they followed suit, Technically, those guys would be available, but they wouldn't have practiced all week. So I don't even know if that's a matter, if that's germane to the Duke game, but it might be relative to if you play on the 12th, because now those guys are back in practice. Certainly something for consideration. And we've already seen at the NFL level, I think it was announced either yesterday or today, Saturday, as we're taping this, that uh, mandatory closures of the NFL properties on Monday and Tuesday, just in anticipation of whatever might have happened over Thanksgiving weekend with their players. Uh, and we've seen the NFL require or, or some of the teams have to play with only one day of practice or two days of practice. Now they're professionals. That's understood. These are student athletes. That's much different, but it certainly, um, it would create an opportunity to have some discussion, but I, I'm like you, I don't know exactly what that solves if anything. Yeah. And the NFL, because they've got deeper pockets, better resources, I think what they're doing with players, you know, they're getting out of quarantine sooner than 14 days. I think they have to test negative five consecutive days. And the NFL's got the dollars to keep testing and do that and try to keep the schedule on track. So that's why some NFL players are coming back more quickly. Uh, anyway, Keith, you and I are not the COVID experts or the CDC experts or the scientists or the medical guys. That's just out there in the background, how that impacts the rest of FSU's football season or the football season in general. We'll see. Uh, Let's get to the economics and whether or not these games can be played. We'll take a break and come back. This is a very abbreviated edition of uh, Front Row Knoll's first look, but uh, we got to dive in and we'll continue to do so right after this. Got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished? Go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to take care of all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway, or you can call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. They've been serving the Big Ben since 1995. Hand tools, chain hoist, cutting tools, laser levels, safety equipment, covering commercial, industrial, and residential construction markets. Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go Go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. 
We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. The holidays are almost here, and we just want to take a moment to say thank you to all of our customers for your support. We'd also like to say thank you to all of our veterans for your service. Veterans will receive 10% off service for the month of November, and all active and retired military will get supplier pricing on all new vehicles in stock. Plus, save up to $10,000 off on all new vehicles in stock. The holidays are about family and friends, but if you happen to be in the market for a car, truck, or SUV, we'd love to help. From our family to yours, stay safe and healthy. Come see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. This is Martin Truex Jr., and as a NASCAR Cup Series champion, I love one-stop shopping. When I need fresh tires or fuel during a race, my pit crew takes care of everything. Off the track, I have an auto owner's independent agent. They handle all my insurance in one place, car, home, life, and business. Get your own pit crew and find a local agency with auto owner's insurance. Your local independent auto owner's agent is the Earl Bacon Agency. Call us at 878-2121 or visit us on the web at earlbacon.com. The Jeff Cameron Show. Former Major League Baseball outfielder Nick Swisher's personality is uh, an acquired taste, according to many. Ozzie Guillen had to manage him for one season with the White Sox. Guillen is now an analyst for NBC Sports Chicago. He's working on the network's White Sox postgame show. So host Chuck Garfin teed up Guillen, which is easy to do, quote, who did you dislike more? Now, right off the bat, I like this guy for doing this because he's, he knows he's going to get an answer. I mean, Guillen is always going to answer the question, sometimes, uh, unfortunately for him. Uh, that would be Jay Mariano. <laughs> <laughs> who did you dislike more? Carlos Gomez, which would be easy to dislike. Carlos Gomez or Nick Swisher. Guillen didn't take much time. Oh, my God, Guillen replied. Nick. Nobody can compare with that Nick Swisher. I hate Nick Swisher with all of my heart. Quote, unquote. Oh, man. Guillen was asked to expound. (laughs) At which point he said that Nick Swisher is nothing more than a fake and that his one season in Chicago was one year too long. Oh, my God. (laughs) So the year that he was with the White Sox, he had uh, a minus 11 defensive run saved uh, number. He also began the year as a leadoff hitter. By the end of the year, he was the eight-hole hitter. He had a batting average below 200. Guillen benched him for having a poor attitude. But that is an answer on a live television show that you never expect to get from an analyst, which is, oh, my God, Nick Swisher. Nobody can compare with Nick Swisher. I hate Nick Swisher with all of my heart. (laughs) Oh, you're a peach. Weekdays 3 to 6 on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles' first look. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you again. We're recording this 5 o'clock on Saturday afternoon slash evening, so... Anything that unfolded subsequent to that is news to us, and that's why perhaps it would sound dated to you. Uh, Keith, you and I know this. I think most FSU fans know this. Florida State is losing a ton of money. They're not canceling games because they're afraid of getting beat or taking a humiliating loss. Uh, You already mentioned the numbers, and I I think they're they're pretty close. Two million a game, you know, more for Clemson, less for Virginia, but I think it's in the three to four million dollar range is probably what they've lost. And they're, they're already cash-strapped. So there's no way, no matter how many conspiracy theories you subscribe to, you can think that FSU is intentionally canceling these games 
at the 11th hour just because they don't want to take a loss. If anything, the conspiracy theory should be that they're going to find a way to play the game, even if they have to play it on Thursday night, Friday morning at two o'clock with the lights on. Um, you know, it, it's just it's gotten to it is to the point where Florida State, um, from an economic standpoint, has got to try to salvage what they can. Now, having said that, they will not will not jeopardize the health of uh, the team members and the coaching staff or the fans for that matter. Uh, but, uh, you know, you're now at the point where these games are, are almost a must play if you can do them safely for reasons that 12 months ago, we would not even consider as having been an issue. And let's not forget about all our local businesses and hotels, uh, the, 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 the fans that have driven in, you know, we were talking with our good friend from the Osceola, uh, Bob Ferrante, you know, what have you had? What have you happened to be able to have both Clemson and Virginia tickets? And you were in Orlando, so you drove up Friday night, last Friday night. Now you got to drive back Saturday with no game. You come back yesterday on a Friday afternoon evening to try to get ready for a game, and now you go home empty-handed. What what what's that like? And and uh, how does that feel? Well, and, and that's uh, where that's where. And again, health and safety is the number one priority. But if you back up the, the testing protocols by a day, you, you could almost get to a time of day on Friday when everybody would know. And you'd know that at 2 o'clock on Friday, this game's going to be played or not, barring something completely unforeseen sure. that would sure. help the fans in terms of travel. And I do feel bad for that situation. And your point on the small businesses is dead on. Saturday was Small Business Saturday. I encourage people, uh, if they were planning to go to the game or were headed out to a restaurant to watch the game, still spend the dollars and support your local businesses because they're taking a beating this year. Uh, separate FSU football, they've been taking a beating, and given the situation, they really are. Um, in terms of moving it forward, Keith, uh, you know, I looked at the schedule early Saturday morning. Now, this is looking at it pretty much through an FSU lens. I did not study it through every other team's lens. I just quickly looked at the ACC games. If you had enough bodies, you could do this scenario. You could host Virginia this coming week, host Clemson on the 12th, and play at Duke on the 19th. Those work in terms of Duke, Virginia, FSU schedule. Uh, Virginia would have to reschedule whoever they have this week and play them on the 19th. The reason I throw that out is because a wild card that just came up this week is Doak Campbell Stadium is now hosting the Florida High School Activities Association state championships December 16th through 19th. So FSU can't play a home game now that weekend unless they did it on the 20th, which is Sunday, the day after the conference championship game, which I don't think the league's going to allow. Maybe they would in these circumstances. So that's a scenario that you could get to. I'm not saying that's where we'll land, but that's what I saw at quick glance. And I agree. And I saw that. I, I had considered that. I hadn't done the study that you had. And, and when I looked at it, the first thing that jumped out at me, well, we'll just reschedule the championships. Well, now you're talking about, what are they going to play, six games? Now you're talking about 12 teams? that you've got to inconvenience at the high school level in mm -hmm. order to take care of one college team. I'm not sure that's fair. So moving or delaying or postponing those state championships probably isn't an option to be candid. So going back to the economics of it, there's, there's the revenue that Florida state is losing by not hosting a, a home game, but there's also TV revenue that goes into the TV pot, if you will, which is split equally among conference members and the league. And it's hard to know the exact number because advertise it's, you know, it's determined by advertising rights. 
And the advertising prices are not going to be as high for Wake Forest Duke in football as they are going to be for Florida State and Clemson. But I think we ballparked it at two and a half million per game the other day. So that right there, if you talk FSU Clemson, if you talk Virginia FSU, if you talk the Wake Forest hosting Notre Dame game on December 12th, the one that Notre Dame, if I'm them, would have no business playing if the league doesn't make Clemson play at FSU, that's three games right there. That's seven and a half million of TV revenue. So even if if the league took the travel costs off the top to send Virginia back to Tallahassee, Clemson back to Tallahassee, Notre Dame to Wake Forest, you're still pl- splitting a six and a half million dollar piece of pie amongst the the league institutions. It seems like it would be worth it from a league standpoint to force those games to be played. And don't forget, you may have, as you've talked about, you may have to postpone or reschedule Duke and get that on the tail end. What if that doesn't work out? Now you're at ten million. Yeah. So you're what I'm. What the point we're making is it's significant dollars now, and as a result, um, more than likely you're going to have to be much more creative. But it goes back to two things uh, in terms of moving forward. Uh, number one, does the CDC change their recommendations, and as a result, uh, does the ACC adopt those quick enough to help Florida State? And number two, if part of that uh, reconfiguration is one or two or three or five or whatever it is, negative test, because we, we think we know pretty solid that that contract tracing, you know, you're doing that out of the abundance of caution. You know, it's not like the 12 guys that were in that room with the 13th guy, whatever segment it was, are known to have it. Okay. So if you can test and prove they don't have it, can you get them back quicker? Again, you're going to have to make some decisions very quickly if, if in fact, those options present themselves. Yeah, and that's if they tweak the protocols, you know, because Correct. we saw with, Correct. with the SEC earlier this year when Nick Saban had the false positive, he was able to test out because of how they wrote those protocols. Uh, the ACC didn't have that in there, uh, and, and there's not been that option, as I understand it, for players in the ACC. So even if it's a false positive on a player, he could test negative 13 days in a row in quarantine. He's still going to be quarantined on day 14 the way it's written now. Again, and I don't know the two, science of it, and if, and if the time is now to change it or make those changes, these are just considerations. Right, and it may not be. I mean, the, the smarter yeah. people than you and I may decide that's not. And remember, too, Florida State has been very aggressive uh, in what they've done. Remember, they didn't travel Blackman. They didn't travel Coach uh, uh, Dugans. Um, yeah. Dugans, you know, even though they did not test positive, but they were showing symptoms. Uh, and so – you know, we're just speculating, um, you know, it, it may be in everyone's best interest that now that you're in week eight or nine or 10, whatever it is of the ACC calendar, that you don't change anything. And there may not be the option to do that anyway. Yeah. It's at the end of the day, we knew 2020 was going to be tough. It's just that Florida state, because it went through eight games with nothing rescheduled, we, we sort of started to take for granted that this is just going to happen, and now two weeks in a row it hasn't. Uh, it's not a good situation for either team. It's not a good situation for the league. It's not good for FSU's athletic department. It's not good for the fans and the boosters. It, it's not good for the local businesses. Uh, but, the, the again, repeating what we said earlier, the thought that FSU would be intentionally canceling these, that's that's just not the case. So I, and another consideration, we've only got about two minutes left here, Keith. They'll play what they can play and whatever the league – is able to reschedule and you know if that's the route they go uh, you're reaching a point where now you've had guys game plan two weeks in a row on a team that's two and six mentally and physically I, I, more mentally at this point I think they've got to be exhausted and you're talking about a real challenge say the Duke game can't be played 
and now you're playing the 12th. Well, now you've gone a month as a two and six football team practicing. That's 20 practices. Uh, I mean, that's a tough battle. It's just one more thing that Coach Norvell and his staff are having to do with. And that conversation we had a while back about a bowl game, they need the practice. Well, A, if they play on the 19th, they're going as late as they go for a bowl anyway. And B, I'm on the other side of that coin now. I, I think it, it, you know, it may be best just to take a break and start afresh in the spring. Well, certainly the, the mental aspects of it when we were having those discussions three or four weeks ago are much different than the mental aspects of it now. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just a, a continuing commentary on 2020 about, you know, the things that you really can't plan for, you know, this uh, adaptability and flexibility that we've been talking about for, what, nine months now uh, is really, really getting stretched and tested given today's environment. Well, that's uh, that's about all we can wrap up. We just felt like we needed to get together and uh, and and say something about the fact that the Virginia game uh, got postponed for now. Again, we recorded this Saturday evening, so uh, if you're listening to the Monday night edition of this show, I, I would expect that there would be new news by the time you're listening. But uh, we just wanted to put our two cents in it. Any, anything else you want to add, Keith? Well, I was going to say we we don't have an opportunity to do the Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. Although my youngest daughter and her husband uh, were out of town traveling by car, not flying. And uh, they did text me a little while ago and they just passed the Virginia equipment truck headed back to Charlottesville, wherever they were coming and however they were going. So we're going to give the Virginia equipment people <laughs> the prime reading performance of the game award, primary bank, two locations in Tallahassee, also in Crawfordville and down in Lakeland. Remember them for all your banking needs. They're good people. Go by and see them, get a cup of coffee, get a chocolate chip cookie and tell them that uh, front row Noah sent you. That's really well done, Keith. Does Clemson's equipment truck get it for last week when we didn't do a show? Well, if we do a show, if we play Clemson and actually actually play Clemson, then we'll have the Clemson equipment people be a candidate for the primary bank performance of the game, depending on what actually happened on the field. There you have it. All right. We're out of time. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll do this again on Wednesday for a full show. Folks, have a great week. Hi, this is Jerry Kutz. Like you, I'm passionate about FSU. My passion led me to help start the Osceola in 1982 and to buy it back after serving Seminole Boosters for 19 years. I've reimagined the Osceola as a digital publication with reporting you can rely on. Our writers have been coaches, administrators, recruiting evaluators, and reporters who deliver perspectives you can rely on. And we put a focus on you with fun travel and entertainment ideas. Let me introduce you to our managing editor, Bob Ferrante. Hi, this is Bob Ferrante. I remember reading the Osceola newspaper in the mid-1990s when I went to Florida State. It was distributed for free in the racks all over the student union, and I always enjoyed the comprehensive coverage of Florida State athletics. Now I'm thrilled to be part of the Osceola's relaunch along with Jerry and our team. Right now, you can register for a free trial. Just go to theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. So give us a try. You can rely on us. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck, when a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. 
The holidays are almost here, and we just want to take a moment to say thank you to all of our customers for your support. We'd also like to say thank you to all of our veterans for your service. Veterans will receive 10% off service for the month of November, and all active and retired military will get supplier pricing on all new vehicles in stock. Plus, save up to $10,000 off on all new vehicles in stock. The holidays are about family and friends, but if you happen to be in the market for a car, truck, or SUV, we'd love to help. From our family to yours, stay safe and healthy. Come see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. The Jeff Cameron Show. You know what? How fitting is it that Jim Furyk has one major? You don't need multiple majors for no, Jim Furyk. No, I've always thought, for example, uh, Tiger's boy uh, in, in Orlando. Omira? Yeah. He's got two. He has no business having two majors. <laughs> no business. You're not good enough, Mark. He told you, you to ne- suck it on 72 at ne- Augusta. You should have never won two majors. You don't, you're not that caliber of player. And good for you. But Mark Omira ought not have two majors. He's in that category. You know we do this with guys. You're like, Wait a minute, so-and-so has three majors? He's not even any good. Why? <laughs> Todd Hamilton? I'd say Immelman. Really? Won the Masters, did you? Mike Weir should have never won the Masters. What are we he, talking he about? He was the first lefty Mike freaking, before, it's before the Mickelson. <laughs> Mike freaking Weir. You'd beat Mike Weir tomorrow at Killarn. Danny you, Willett? You'd beat Danny Willett tomorrow at Killarn. I'm saying you can't have. I do know the track. I'm just saying you can't have guys like that out here rolling into majors. I'm like, okay, Sean McKeel, Brad okay, May, okay, if but, he had won. Oh, no. Bob May would have taken May, it. What he I, I said Brett. It. Yeah, but, but F Bob May. He'll never play, he never played before or after that way. How about Y.E. Yang? Get out of here, Y.E. Yang. Oh, he just, took it. He did take he it. He stared I can't, the tiger down and I, said, screw you, punk. No, no, no. First of all, that's like your frustrations coming out. <laughs> what I'm saying about Y.E. Yang is, now, if you go do that, which he did, oh, unquestionably, he did take it. I mean, that that three wood over the palm tree or whatever it was. Picking up his golf oh, bag yeah, and was, shaking it. No, no, it's an insane shot. Even Tiger's like, really? But, I mean, yeah, I got it. So that happened. That's right. Really, you punk <laughs> yeah, ass. He did it. He did it. I'm Y.E. Yang. Yeah. And guess what I'm going to do from here? Lose my card. Weekdays 3 to 6 on 97.9 ESPN Radio.